Hello everybody, this is Brian Ingraham. I sort of made a mistake and um, we were doing this introduction to Demon's Night on Wednesday of last week and I forgot to unmute my mic or maybe it was muted and then no, or maybe it was unmuted and then I muted it or or whatever but but yeah, I did this I did this uh, teaching for a little over an hour and on introduction to demon. I know a lot of people wanted to to hear this and to to get a bit of that information. And yeah, it, it failed to record. We tried to maybe capture the the audio through some of the uh, ambient mics in the room, but it just it just didn't work out. I am so sorry that that um, it didn't work. Um, so what I've done, what I'm doing this morning is I'm just re-recording. I'm just re-recording my notes. It's it's not going to be exactly the same, uh, just because sometimes when you're standing up in front of people, the things, other things come out. But I'm I'm going to give it my best uh, go here to capture the the teaching from from last weekend, and, and I hope you find it helpful. Um, this isn't preaching. This is this is just teaching. I'm here to teach. And, and so what we're going to do today is, is I'm going to set out to give an introduction to, to demons. We're only going to be able to establish the basics at this point. Um, in, a, in about a month from now, there's going to be a part two. There's going to be a follow-up to this chat. So as I'm talking, you can write down some questions that, that, you, that you might have. and Because there's things that I'm just not going to be able to develop. Just not enough time. And so write down those questions and submit them. And, and here's how you can get those questions to us. We have an online form. And so open your web browser and you can type in bit.do, B-I-T dot D-O slash, and then all capital letters, W-T-D-W-D. And that's for what's the deal with demons. So bit.do slash capital W, capital T, capital D, capital W, capital D. Uh, I'll try and remind you of that as we go through this, but but maybe even at this time, either you you open you can open up your your web browser uh, and and have that ready, or you can just have a piece of paper to to write down questions. We've already have some in from the from that that evening, but we want to add um, your questions as well to to um, address as much as possible because the. The demonic and and talking about the demonic, it, it is so biblical. It's so common in the Bible and even in our, our world today. But um, it's not something we talk enough about. And so, as we experienced in our church uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, there was a there was there was a, a disruption, a demonic disruption in our church, and and it really spooked some people out. And so I kind of realized where we've come as a church in the last little bit. It, it had been more common for us to be talking about demons a few years ago, but um, in the last couple of years, it's just it's just been less upfront. So I uh, want to kind of reestablish some of the basics and then uh, continue to develop things as we go. So so write down those questions. We're gonna we'd love to get to them and also. Um, after part two, um, we're going to have some training in the in the new year uh, about uh, deliverance ministry and and how to minister to people who are um, who are demonized. And so uh, you can also keep your ears open for that, maybe on social media or something along those lines. Basically, my journey with with the demonic and and started um, thinking about the demonic started with reading the Bible. You know, reading about the spiritual realm and and the spiritual battle which impacts everyone. When reading about Jesus's ministry, you quickly start to see that Jesus's ministry is preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, healing the sick, 
and casting out demons. Not only is that the bulk of Jesus' ministry, that's what he trained and empowered his disciples to do, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God, to heal the sick and cast out demons. When Jesus ascended into heaven, the last thing he said to his disciples is, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples, and really disciples of all nations. And now, now what that means is to make disciples, that means go and exactly duplicate what you've been taught and what you do in the lives of other people. To be a disciple isn't, isn't merely just to be a student. Jesus doesn't just say, go and teach people what I taught you or go tell people what I am like. He doesn't even say, just go and reach the lost. He actually says, go and make disciples, people like you who do what you do and who understand me as you understand me. One of the Bible interpretation mistakes that has been made uh, for, for over a thousand years in the history of Christianity is this, this common idea that when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he was only talking to them. And, and we've com- conveniently applied that, that, that bad use of Scripture to, to several different things in the Bible over the, over the generations. For example, uh, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, which has become, which is this anchor global missionary mandate to, to, uh, to go throughout the world. That was completely ignored for, for well over a thousand years because people were saying that was just Jesus' command to those 12 people and not applicable to us. Jesus, or actually, sorry, not 12, Judas wasn't there, to those 11 people and not applicable to us. And that's just not true. That's not true. When Jesus commissions his disciples, he's commissioning them to go and make disciples, not just converts, which means go make people who believe what they believe, who teach what they teach, who live how they live, who minister how they minister, and to do that with people from every nation under heaven. That, that wasn't just to the 12. That was to the 12 who are making disciples. And then that commission goes on to those disciples to make more disciples who are going to make more disciples in every generation. Every disciple of Jesus throughout the ages carries the same commissions that Jesus trained and commissioned his first disciples with. To proclaim the kingdom of God, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. And biblically, that's That's what we see in the Bible. After Jesus ascends into heaven and lots of people come to Christ, we see that casting out demons was common. Actually, in the New Testament, we see it's so common that people outside of the church tried to cast out demons in in the name of Jesus. There's one time um, Jesus' disciples are complaining to Jesus that other people, not them, were casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and Jesus says, don't stop them. But, but then even after Jesus ascends to, to heaven and you're looking at the early church, you look at the story like in Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 7, or not verse 7, but the seven sons of, of a Jewish high priest, they tried casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And that doesn't go well at all. And they, they come back, just they just get wrecked. They just get wrecked. It's, a, it's this story where they, they, they tried to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, but because they didn't have the authority of Jesus... It doesn't go well. We'll talk about this more in a bit. But the point is 
the commission to cast out demons wasn't just for the the 12 disciples, but for every disciple of Jesus in every nation ever, for everyone who believes in Jesus throughout the ages. And that's how the early church understood it, and that's how the early church practiced it. Dealing with demons wasn't, sorry, dealing with demons was supposed to be as normal as preaching the kingdom of God. It was supposed to be that normal. Now, if you're thinking, okay, but still, Brian, certainly this has got to be for, for the super disciples or the super apostles. Well, actually, in Mark chapter 16, Jesus says that it's for everyone who believes, not just the super believers. This is what it said in Mark 16. I'm going to be reading and starting in verse 15 and, and really landing in verse 17. Then he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Then it says this in verse 17, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. And it goes on. Driving out demons in Mark chapter 16 was the first thing Jesus says as a sign that will accompany those who believe. By accompany, it means, you know, those who are right there with Jesus, like hand in hand with Jesus. This is going to go where, where believers go. This is going to be, this is going to be seen. Demons will be driven out. Demons will be driven out where there are believers. Now, this feels so much different than our experience as believers in, in, in our generation, and really in our part of the world in our generation, in, in the West. It's, it's very different than, than, um, than, than so many of our lives growing up in more conservative, um, quote-unquote, safe uh, churches and, 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 and simple backgrounds. And, and we can find this idea of demons to be, to be scary, uh, un- unnerving. You know, someone was convulsing or screaming or, or yelling or, or angry, someone not in their right mind, that can be scary, but, but mostly due to ignorance. We're not used to it in, in, in certain backgrounds. Certain backgrounds are very used to it, but, but I think in most of your backgrounds, you're probably not used to seeing it. And so we get afraid of what we don't understand. And, and I might argue that that, that fear that's, that's connected there is, is also a little bit demonically charged, but, but we'd rather move away from those situations. We'd rather move away from environments where demons are being cast out in the name of Jesus because that's, that's weird, it's unnerving to us. Doesn't that sound like something the enemy would want of, of God's people to get away from where, where Jesus' power and authority is being used to send demons out, to drive demons out in the name of Jesus? Oh, get away from that. Don't have anything to do with that. That's weird. Get, get away from that. And, and that's honestly, due to fear, a lot of first reactions. Uh, this is weird. This is unnerving. This is scary. So let's, let's, not, let's not get around this. Let's get away from it. That's not what we're called to do. We, 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 look, at, we look at the Bible and, and we're called to, to, to drive out demons in the name of Jesus. To, to advance God's kingdom, to set see people set free in the name and authority of Jesus. We're not playing a game here called Christianity. We are, we are attempting to advance Jesus' agenda and to come against the enemy's agenda in the, in the nation, in the city, in our churches, and in individual lives. 
We look at the Bible and, and we see demons are everywhere in Jesus' day. And that in the days that, that follow, they, they, can, they continue to be everywhere. We don't see anywhere in the Bible that even implies that, that demons are just going to go away after a while. They were there for, you know, 400 years, but then they just kind of disappeared. We see in Jesus' day, demons are everywhere and being confronted. We see in the book of Acts, they are there and they're being confronted by the followers of Jesus. We see all the way in the book of Revelation, all the way to the end, demons uh, definitely and, and radically at work and 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 battling against God's people. Paul, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 6, and he's trying to make sure that we get this, that, that our real battle isn't about the seen, isn't about people, isn't about flesh and blood, isn't about the tangible. Our real battle as believers is against the, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our real battle is with the demonic, not with people. And if we're completely ignorant and blind to, to the demonic and what's going on, then we are completely ignorant and blind to the real battle that Paul says we're called to be about. We see this, this demonic stuff all, all in the Bible. And, and yet, you know, we, we look at our world today and, and at Christians today, and we think, wow, our world seems so different than the world we, we read about in the pages of the Bible. Is this stuff, and specifically this, this demon stuff, is it still relevant for today? And we think that way because from birth, we have been trained to not see the spiritual forces of evil at work in our world, in the lives of people. And even in our own eyes, in our own lives, we're, we're trained not to see. And so we don't. We're, we're trained to believe that what we can touch, what we can taste, what we can observe, that's what's real. And anything else just doesn't yet have a real explanation. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean that the demonic is not massively, massively present. Now, now we're trained not to see it, but this... this Blindness isn't globally true. It isn't globally true. It's just for people who have been raised in environments like ours here in the West. Now, my hope for tonight is to challenge the way you see. And, and, and I hope that you will leave uh, this, this message and, and listening to this time with your spiritual eyes more open to reality as it is. Reality as the Bible clearly describes for us cover to cover throughout the Bible. Okay, I want us to think more biblically. I want how we process the world around us to be uh, as the Bible reveals the world around us to be, to think biblically. Okay, let's talk about demons. Okay, what is the story with demons? I got a series of questions here that I'm going to just ask and, and continue to develop. Uh, the first question is, is, what's the story with demons? Okay, so here's, here's the short of it, biblically speaking. Here's the, here's the, the story. Uh, it starts with an angel named Lucifer. And Lucifer is thought to be one of the highest ranking of all the angels ever created 
Just like there are human leadership structures, the same is true with angels. Angels are created with different jobs, different levels of authority. Actually, angelic beings, there's different kinds of angelic beings. There's not just like one kind of angelic being. And so they've got different jobs and we read about different angels with different jobs, especially if you just skim through Revelation. Oh, this angel's in charge of the fire or this at the altar or this angel is in, in charge of this or this angel has this job. Angels are created with different jobs different levels of authority and Satan seems to have been created or Lucifer uh, seems to have been created with with authority over one-third of the angels in heaven most commentaries interpret Isaiah chapter 14 a few verses there like 12 to 15 and in and some verses in Ezekiel 28 as describing Satan as as this glorious um, as a, starting off as this glorious angel who wanted to make himself like the Most High, who wanted to to, uh, have more authority, who wanted to be in charge of heaven, not under God's authority and rule anymore, but to have more authority and to to take over and to have the, the rulership of heaven himself. And as a result of wanting to take over heaven and be in the place of of God, war broke out in heaven. As Lucifer rejected his God-given role, his 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 created um, uh, his created place and his created mandate, and he attempted Lucifer attempted to see what he wanted done in heavens and not what God wanted to have done, and so he rebelled. He rebelled against what God's desire was for his life. And as we studied at our church a few weeks ago, Revelation chapter 12 describes the war in heaven with the archangel Michael throwing down Lucifer, who was then called and henceforth called the devil or Satan. And so the devil or Satan, he is thrown down to earth along with a third of the stars or a third of the angels. Uh, it seems like all those angels who were under um, Satan's authority uh, were thrown out with him. Jesus in Luke chapter 10 says that he saw that moment. He saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Okay, hold that thought. Okay, so you have Satan and his angels, which are now called demons, thrown out of heaven. Now, before I continue this story, I need to make sure we, we know the difference between two words, we, that we understand the difference between power and authority. We have to understand the difference between power and authority. Because when Satan falls from heaven, he maintains all the power he was created with and all the authority he was created with as as one over the third of the angels who fell with him. But the thing is, he wanted more authority. He actually wanted all authority like what God had. And so his obsession with more authority, there's nothing he could do about his power levels. He's, he has the power that he has, but he could have more authority. And even this idea of all authority, it seems to drive him and drive him in his rebellion against God. So what's the difference between power and authority? Again, this is very, very important, especially for understanding you and for understanding how it's even possible for you to drive out demons in Jesus's name. You have to understand the difference between power and authority. So, so by way of example, I went horseback riding in Yellowstone this summer. Uh, Yellowstone, we went um, riding. Now, horses are magnificent animals. They're, they're way more powerful than I am strength-wise. But power and strength 
do not always matter when it comes to authority. When I'm, when I'm on horseback and I'm riding uh, on, on the horse, the horse is so much more powerful than I am, but I have authority as the, the rider and I've got these reins in this bit. And so <laughs> in theory, the horse goes where I want it to go. I mean, that's, that's the theory behind it. It's a long story. I don't want to go there. Anyways, um, maybe, maybe a, a different example. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to make this as a statement as if it's true. I really don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to say it confidently. I feel pretty confident that if Boris Johnson and I, if we got into a, uh, uh, a mono e mono battle against one another, uh, just, just, just the two of us, I feel feel fairly certain that that I could take him that I'm I'm more physically powerful than Boris Johnson now to be fair I would have felt a lot more comfortable in this analogy if when Theresa May was was prime minister uh feel a lot more comfortable there anyways this idea if if it was Boris Johnson and I the prime minister if we were if we were battling uh, one-on-one, I would like to believe that I'm more physically powerful than, than Boris Johnson. And for the sake of analogy, let's just pretend that I am, humanly speaking. But he has vastly more authority than I do here in the UK. And so if I was going to be in a battle with, with Bojo, even though I have more power, it, it doesn't even matter. His authority gives me no chance. That guy has all the military behind him, in theory, all the police behind him, all the tanks, all the fighter planes, all the security. Because of his authority, he just says the word, snaps his finger, and my strength doesn't matter at all. I'm not even going to get anywhere close because all of the authority that he commands. If I was going to go up against Bojo, there, it would be a zero contest, even if I have more power because of the authority that he can just, he can just command. Angels are vastly more powerful than humans, vastly. In a single night, one angel destroyed an army of 185,000 Assyrian warriors. Angels are vastly, vastly stronger. And Satan himself is the most powerful, or at least tied for the most powerful of all angels. If Satan and I get into a a mono-mono battle, one-on-one, 1v1 against one another, it wouldn't be close at all. His raw power far exceeds my human strength and and power. Plus, it can be invisible and, and, I mean, it it doesn't even stand, stand, I don't even stand a chance if it was just power versus power. But in the great spiritual battle of the ages, in which we're all appointed to fight in our city and in our generation, it is not a battle connected to power at all. It's all about authority and using the authority that we have been given in Jesus. Now, if, I, if I'm going after Bojo, Boris Johnson, and he doesn't tap into his authority and he just takes me on, I would like to believe that that's stupid. <laughs> in the same way, in the same way, we have to understand the authority struggle that's going on spiritually between people and the demonic, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we understand, we need to understand the authority that Jesus has given us who, um, who believe. And we actually have to tap into it. 
And we actually have to use the authority that Jesus has been given us to, to advance in this day, in these days. If we don't tap into the authority we've been given, we are, we are going to be vastly outsmarted, outduped, outthought, outpowered, out everything. We need to understand the authority Jesus has given us and the authority that Satan has stolen from us. Jesus has given you who believe in him his authority. And in his name, the authority to cast out demons, to command demons, to drive out demons. You've been given an extraordinary authority, but if you don't use it, you're definitely not powerful enough when the demons pick a fight. Now, you might find yourself facing someone who has a demon. And, and maybe they look bigger and, and stronger than you physically. Okay, I, 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 saw this, uh, I saw this on Saturday just before I gave this, this message. Um, Kelly, Kelly and I were sitting at this thing, and, and the guy behind us, um, this young, tall, strong guy was there, and, and this anger demon just manifested, and, 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 he, and he was angry, and he just looked like he was going to get violent. And, and I'll, I'll admit, you know, I was... I was a bit nervous because this anger demon is is kicking off right behind. I mean, I literally, I just reached my hand back and touched this guy he, right behind Kelly and I. I was it was it was a little bit too close, <laughs> but I was also very curious to see how how this was gonna go. And and so there was there was this woman there, mighty in the Lord, but physically, you know, way 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 less strong than than this guy. And she just confronted this, the demon in this very powerful man, raging with his anger demon. And she drove out that demon relatively quickly in the name of Jesus, fearless because she understood the authority she had in Jesus and that the demon must submit to the authority of, and the name of Jesus. She believed, she didn't doubt it. She confronted and she drove out that demon in the name of Jesus without fear. It's never about power. Or strength. It's always about authority, knowing your authority that you've been given and exercising that authority in Jesus' name. Okay, back to our story. Uh, again, if you have any questions about anything and if you feel like you want more answers, uh, just again, remember that, that web form and, and write down those questions and, and we'll, we'll bring more clarity later in about a month from now. Um, bit.dobit.do slash W, what's the deal with demons? W-T-D-W-D. What's the deal with demons? All, all caps, those last letters, all caps. And you can just write down those, those questions. Okay, so back to our story. Okay, so Satan is thrown out of heaven with all the demons. And on earth, he doesn't have any authority at first. Who has it? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. At creation, God gave Adam and Eve the authority over the earth, but Satan wanted it, and so he stole it. He stole it. Now, this is important. How did Satan steal the authority? Not by overpowering Adam and Eve, but by getting people to obey him, by getting people to do what he wants and not what God wants. You see, the second people do what Satan wants, they submit to his leadership, and then the natural authority that God gave Adam and Eve 
comes under their new master, the one that they have now submitted to and have now chosen to obey. So everything under their domain comes under now the enemy's domain because they they have they have walked in his ways and walked away from God. You you have there's two master options. There's two leader options. Either God for people or the enemy for people. There's there's no neutral because humanity was made to be under authority, to exercise all authority over the earth under, ideally, God, the, the master. But we got to be under that, that authority. But when, when, when Satan tricked us, we switched to our, our spiritual authority structure to be under Satan's leadership structure. The second people, again, like I said, the, the second we do what Satan wants, we submit to his leadership. Doing what Satan wants done is how he gains authority in your life and, and connected to everything under your, your leadership domain. So from, this, from that moment in the garden with Adam and Eve, people took the, the authority that God gave them and by submitting to and choosing to, be, to obey Satan, the authority over the earth that God gave people moved and now came under Satan who had gained these new followers, submitted to him. The Bible says you're now enslaved to him. Okay, is this true? Well, when, when uh, Jesus is tempted, Satan offers to give him all the authority over the nations if he will just worship him, if he will submit to him, if, if Jesus will just come under his, his leadership. And, and Jesus doesn't contest this. He doesn't say, no, Satan, you don't have the authority to give this to me. And, and it's a very easy offer for Satan. Jesus, you can have everything. You can have rule over all of the earth if you will just worship me once. Because the second that Jesus, if he were to do this, which he didn't do, just to be absolutely clear, had Jesus worshiped him even just one time, had Jesus just done what Satan wanted one time, then everything forever that is under Jesus's domain or will ever be under Jesus' domain is ultimately under Satan's domain. Because Jesus would have come under Satan's leadership. It was crucial that not even once did Jesus do what the enemy wanted done and always stayed submitted to, to God the Father. That was what it was at stake. From the days of Adam, Satan gained authority over all people. But because Jesus never once submitted to Satan, Satan had no authority over him. And now that gives people now the option of two masters again. Before Jesus... There was only one master because because of the first Adam, we had all uh, we had all been submitted and enslaved to Satan as our master. But now there is a second Adam, a second one who who can who is submitted to God, and we can choose to put our allegiance under Jesus. Submission to Jesus as your Lord, as your master as your king is absolutely essential when facing anything connected to Satan or his demons. I'm going to say that again. Submission to Jesus is absolutely essential when facing anything connected to Satan or his demons. You have one master, and it's got to be Jesus. Like, not just in, in theory, but in reality. Okay, let me back up. Um, so, we're not just talking about Satan, but also we're talking about demons and, and their stories are connected because they fell with Satan when he falls from heaven. They're, they're under, demons are under Satan's uh, authority, under his leadership. One of the 
many obvious differences between God and Satan, and, and there's many. I mean, it's not even close to equal. One of the many obvious differences is that God is everywhere, but Satan can only be at one place at one time. And so, so his dominion, Satan's dominion over the world is organized by a demonic, multi-tiered structure. And so he's at the top of the org chart, and then he has a few demons whose domain is, is, is massive. Maybe you have some demons whose, whose domain is multinational, and maybe we saw a glimpse of that with Babylon, which we talked about a couple weeks ago at church. Uh, under under the, those multinational demonic uh, entities, there are some, some demons assigned to nations. So you might see in the Bible, you do see things such as like the Prince of Persia, uh, the Prince of Persia or the Prince of Greece in, in Daniel. In the book of Daniel. These, these demons have authority to influence and manipulate nations and kings and rulers. Uh, by the way, it seems like the angels are structured the same way. The angel Gabriel tells Daniel that Michael uh, is assigned over, over the people of Israel, the people of God. Anyway, so, so you have these tears, and, and they trickle down to ones that impact one person at a time. Like maybe uh, uh, a spirit of anger. Now, a spirit of anger, anger could be in an area or it could be impacting a, a person uh, or a Jezebel spirit or a greed spirit or spirit of lust. Again, these can be in areas connected to, to places where, where they have been obeyed repeatedly, uh, anger or, or greed or lust, um, but, but also impacting just one person at a time. Now, now even if, if there's a... Um, a, a demonic go- thing going on with one person, one person at a time, even within a person, there can be multiple demons uh, impacting them. I mean, demons are our spirit that we, we see in the demonic, it's in Jesus confronts this guy, Legion, and it seems like there's, there's, it seems like there's thousands of demons in this guy. The quantity of spiritual beings uh, impacting a person within a person um, is, it, it, it doesn't, it, you know, whether it's one or a thousand, there's not like a capacity limit. There's not a capacity limit when it comes to spiritual beings within a, a f- impacting a, a spiritual person. Um, but anyways, so so if there's multiple demons impacting one person, often there's a, there's a big boss that's kind of organizing the 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 anti-God rebellion within a person. Okay, because they they're not they they can't be divided against themselves. Otherwise, that's it's not going to stand. Um, I think you know Jesus seems to give an allegorical statement about a strong man, uh, you know, dealing with the strong man in a house, um, referring to kind of like that 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 leader in in someone's life when there's multi-dynamic realities there. Paul, Paul again, he describes his multi-tiered demonic reality in Ephesians six. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers of this darkness, against spiritual forces in the heavens. There's lots of different uh, names and categories of things going on there. Anyway, so in summary, the story is the angel Lucifer rebelled against God, and so he has since been called Satan or the devil. And when he was cast out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him, those under his authority, and they are now called demons. They are on the earth with their rebellion against God agenda. And that's, that's their plan, to rebel against the will and reign of God and to wage war against God's plan and to wage war against God's people. Okay, so that's the basic overview in the Bible. So that's, that's the first question. And the next questions are not nearly as long. Um, so some of the questions for us is, so are demons real? Uh, yes. 
Yes, they're real. Are they still real? Yes, they're still still real. Did they go away sometime between the days of the Bible and now? No, they're still very, very active. And they, they biblically will be all the way through the end times. They don't go on holiday. They're, they're, they're still around. So why don't we see them very often? Well, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but this idea of spiritual blindness. There's a false belief that something is either scientifically understandable or it's demonic. There's, there's a lie there that things cannot be both at the same time or that they cannot be interconnected. Now, this false belief is, has been devastating in the West, this idea that something is either observable, scientifically understandable, or demonic. It's, it's not globally true. That people, people throughout the world understand that things can be observable and demonic, scientifically observable and demonic at the same time, but probably for, for most of the people uh, in, in, in our church or in certain circles, that they've been trained from birth to process experience in this world either through the eyes of science only as if as if nothing else exists other than what we can see and observe and then we think to ourselves if there's a scientific observable explanation then that is the only explanation and that there is nothing else there no demons because we have an observable scientific uh, thing going on here so you know we're, there's no need for demons quote unquote and so we don't even need to ask the questions because we have a scientific explanation but that is that is that is a an entire false false concept that it cannot be both there is zero conflict between science and the spiritual realities somewhere along the line this line this lie cropped up that said you can't you can't be both a scientific person and believe in angels or demons and all that spiritual stuff that's that's not true there's no there's no conflict okay for example let's talk about something doctory doctory something you know like doctorish it's not uncommon for medically trained people to struggle with the idea that demons might be at work uh, connected to well-understood medical conditions, be they physical conditions or mental or emotional conditions. Now, I just want to make sure I said that rightly. I think I did, but oh, man, I'm feeling a little bit tired at the moment. Uh, it, it's not uncommon for medically trained people to struggle with the idea that demons might be at work connected to well-understood medical conditions. Again, I want to remind you that one of the authors of the Bible was a medically trained doctor, Luke. He wrote the book of Luke. He wrote the book of Acts. There was never a conflict between treating someone uh, medically and spiritually. He apparently was traveling along as Paul, uh, Paul's companion, maybe even Paul's doctor. We know that Paul had some medical issues uh, physically uh, that he wasn't, he wasn't healed of. There is no conflict between scientific observation of what's happening to a person and the discernment of, is there also spiritual things going on here? Like demonic stuff. The presence, okay, example. Okay, so let's say you're, you're, you're looking at a patient here and, and there is, let's say, that, let's say there's a deficiency of a chemical in the body. Okay, there's a deficiency there. There's something lacking in the body, a chemical thing, and that's real and it's measurable. And you can see that because there, there's a deficiency in this chemical, that the symptoms that we're observing in this person's life, they make sense. 
they have these behaviors. There's a deficiency in this chemical. We can observe it all. And, and it all lines up perfectly, perfectly. And, and in the case where there's a deficiency, uh, maybe there's a synthetic or a natural source of that chemical. And so we can... We can, give, we can give this person, um, pres through prescription medicine of some sort, a, a supplement to even out and to make right the, the chemical that was deficient. And so then you, you can see that we, we bring the, the chemicals right into a person's body and the symptoms that were, that were not normal go away, or at least they're improved. Uh, because of, you know, this medicinal, observable, treatable process. It's treatable. And you can see that the standard of living in that person normalizes and everyone's happy. And you can even ask the question a little bit deeper. Okay, so we, we understand it scientifically. Lack of, uh, there's a chemical deficiency led to these symptoms. We address that, sorted. We can say, okay, <clears throat> well, why? Why was there a deficiency there? And we could even look back and say, well, it's hereditary, it's hereditary, whatever reason, you know, their, their, their father has this same issue. Grandfather had this same issue. There, there's reasons there that we can understand it. It's been passed down from generation to generation. <clears throat> now, I want to just make sure I stop here and say, I am definitely not saying, nor does the Bible teach that everything is because of demons. I, I hope that you hear that. I'm definitely not saying, nor does the Bible teach, that everything is because of demons. Sometimes Jesus heals the sick. Sometimes he drives out demons. Usually with age, eyes wear out a bit. You know, body breaks down a, a bit. Not everything is demonic. But sometimes there is some deeper why behind the things that are not in conflict with science. Just because you have one why... There is a hereditary chemical deficiency here. Doesn't mean you still yet have the whole story. Maybe you do have the whole story, but maybe you don't. Just because you can treat someone's symptoms effectively with the right medication doesn't mean that there's not more going on. But generally, we feel comfortable stopping seeking for the whys before we get asking the spiritual questions. We don't want to ask those in the West unless it's absolutely necessary. We don't want to ask, is there also in this observable illness, this treatable situation, is there also something demonic going on here? And so there can be a blindness because... We aren't even asking the questions. We're satisfied with certain answers and we're satisfied not to go any further. It feels weird to go any further. Why, why would we want to do that? And we don't want to be that guy. Okay, so there can be a, a, a spiritual blindness uh, because of this, this, this lie that if it, it's either going to be scientifically observable or demonic. But there can also be a spiritual uh, blindness because of just refusing to see it. So I was interviewing these, these three guys who wanted to be elder, elders at a church, uh, not, not our church, um, but, but I, I just happened to be on an interview committee for, for this young church. And, and these guys came in uh, one at a time. And, and I asked each of them um, the same question. I said, okay, okay, uh, potential elder of this church, uh, this particular church, let's say 
the enemy wanted to attack your church. I'm thinking, you know, that's very biblical, of course. The, the, the Bible is very full of, of, of examples and warnings to, to the Ephesian elders, let's say, of, of wolves sneaking in and, and, you know, lots of examples of spiritual attacks against churches in the Bible. And I said, okay, so let's say the enemy wants to attack your church. How would you deal with that? How would you identify it? I guess I, I asked it the other way. How would you identify it and how would you deal with it? And all their answers were the same. They each said to me, well, Brian, not everything is demonic. Not everything is Satan. Not everything is demonic. And I was like, okay, of course. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Not everything is, is demonic. But let's say in this fictional scenario, which I am making up, I mean, I am just, I'm telling you, this, this is the scenario. I'm, I'm just painting it. This is actually what's happening. This is my story, my scenario. And I'm saying to you that it is demonic. How might you spot it and deal with it? Because this is, this is the scenario. This is what's happening. It is demonic. And their answer to me was, was this, Brian, not everything is demonic. And I was just stunned. I was just stunned. I'm, I'm telling them that it is demonic, but their answers revealed a super pious, but a, a total rejection of even considering that anything demonic might happen in their church or against their church. And, and that blindness was hidden in, in spiritual uh, language and maybe even a, a true statement, not everything is demonic, but they are saying not everything is demonic, meaning not anything is demonic. And that is where it goes horrific. There is a massive difference between saying not everything is demonic, but meaning not anything is demonic. Oh, it was, it was so irritating. It's so unbiblical. It's so naive. And it's so devastating for their church to have such spiritually blind leaders. And maybe you function that way in your life. This, this, with this line, okay, not everything is demonic. But what you really mean is not anything is demonic unless I have absolutely no other, no other, no other explanation at all. That's just being spiritually blind and, and naive. We are called to be alert, to be alert because our enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion. We are called not to be naive, but to be alert, not to be, not to be just kind of like, oh, you know, if it, if it hits me in the face, then maybe I'll recognize it or I'll look for it. We're called to be alert, astute, a keenly, keenly paying attention to what the devil might be doing, what the enemy might be doing, what might be going on the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What about mental health issues? Could that be demonic? Well, sure, of course. I mean, you see examples of that in the Bible. Is it always demonic? Well, what if it's obviously in their family and it's effectively treatable with medication? Could it, could it still be demonic? Well, of course it still could be demonic. How, how would you know? How would you know? Well, well, first of all, you've got to stop thinking this or that. You've got to stop thinking, is it chemical? Is it hereditary or demonic? 
It, it can be all of the above. Now, we don't have time to talk about discerning the presence of the demonic tonight in, in, in medical situations or in scientific uh, situations. Now, but feel free to put up a question about that if you're interested in, in that. And again, uh, just just write a question. You know, how might we dis- discern this? You can put that on on that that question form, uh, which is bit.do, B-I-T dot D-O forward slash what? W, sorry, it's what's the deal with demons? All capitals, just first letters. W-T-D-W-D. Yeah, all, all caps. What's the deal with demons? You can ask that question there bit.do. Okay, so um, we, we, don't, we don't see demons often, says most people, because we're not looking for them. And we are very happy and content settling with incomplete understanding of, of, of so many situations because it's just more comfortable. It's, it's, it's less weird. It's less weird. Spiritual blindness. Another question, can, can Christians be demonized? Yes, yes. I'm not talking about being demon possessed, meaning being completely out of control and being taken over. Like Christians can, but can definitely be demonized. You can have the Holy Spirit within you and also have demons at work uh, doing uh, horrific things in your life. Just in the same way, Christians can be sick. And be Christians. Christians it, it, the Bible says uh, on the cross, Jesus has taken up our infirmities. But we can also be sick as Christians. In the same way, he has set us free. But we can also be demonized. Not demon-possessed, but strongly, strongly impacted by demons. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're not just instantly healed of every sickness. Nor are we instantly freed from every demonic grip or reality in our lives. Our master has changed. Our allegiance has changed to Jesus. uh, King of kings, Lord of lords. We become possessed by the Holy Spirit. But demons can still be present when the Holy Spirit is there. For example, Paul. Paul. A mighty, godly man, an apostle, a, uh, an author of, of several books of the Bible, he was constantly tormented by the demonic, which he, which he called and referenced as a messenger of Satan, sent to torment him. A messenger of Satan, clearly demonic. And, and people um, you know, who want to try and undemonize the Bible unsupernaturalize the Bible, they want to say, well, it was like his eyesight or something like that. That is not good Bible. That is not reading the Bible for, for what it actually says. It is clearly demonic there. I, I expect better Bible from, from God's people. Anyway, so, so he asked Jesus to, to remove this messenger of Satan, and, and God said, no, it, it, instead he's going to have to, do, he's going to have to be comfortable in God's grace. His grace is sufficient for him. His power is going to be made perfect in his weakness. Now, I know that, um, well, actually, I don't even know who's listening to this, uh, but in my church, most of the people um, are newer in, in, in our church and, and have only really known me since 2010. We started the church in 2005, but in 2010, the church changed because I changed and, and I was set free in, in August 2010 from, from a, a demon of fear that had been tormenting me for years, but that I didn't even know was there. 
In fact, I didn't even have a box theologically that I could be tormented by the demonic before that moment. I guess in my theology, I, was, I, I knew the Bible, I knew the demons were, were alive and active in our world today. I could see them, I could observe them. I'd even cast some demons out of people before that moment. But then I was in, in Malaysia. I was at a missionary conference there. And after the, the teaching on that day, um, uh, the, the, the speaker, his name was Barry Kissel and, and uh, pretty famous, uh, pretty famous uh, guy in, in previous generations. When it, but, but anyways, so Barry Kissel was teaching and, and he said at the end, hey, if your hands are on fire, I want you to come, come down for prayer. And I looked over at my wife and I said to Kelly, I said, uh, Kelly, my hands are on fire. We need to get out. I need to get out. Of here. Let's get. Let's go to lunch. I don't, I don't want to do. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to go forward. That's that's just weird stuff. I don't want to do that in this room full of people. But I knew it was the right thing to do, and I went down. And then for the next forty-five minutes, I had a life-changing experience, where where they they started to pray for me. They started to pray for me. They started to 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 you know ask the Holy Spirit to 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 come and to minister to me. And I just started feeling this. This, this grip, this choking over my throat. And, this, and I was feeling just choking. And, and, and over the next 45 minutes, they were, they were praying over me and battling over me, connected to the spirit of fear that had this choking grip on my life. And, and then after 45 minutes, I just felt this, 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 this thing come up and out of my throat and out. Uh, it's just like on, on my breath, uh, coughing and, and just, just coming out. That moment of being delivered from a demon of fear changed my life. Before that moment, uh, I, would, I would pace back and forth in the back of the room before preaching, trying to muster the fear to, to teach, to, 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 to go up and preach whatever uh, the message was going to be that week. I was, I was crippled with fear week after week after week. But after that moment, it, it's never been the same since. That, that crippling fear against me teaching was thrown down. And I was delivered as a Christian, as a pastor, as someone full of the Holy Spirit, as someone exercising my spiritual gifts in preaching and teaching and leadership, as a church planter, as a missionary. I experienced being delivered from the demonic. I know, biblically, Christians can be impacted by the demonic, like Paul. You know, Peter said, you know, it's called Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's before the cross, I understand. But it's still very biblical and very true. Now, now maybe you're thinking, oh no, should I be afraid? Should I be afraid that, that maybe there's that, that, that some, some of the things that are manifesting in my life, like anger or, or fear or, or depression, that, that it's demonic? Should I be afraid? No, you shouldn't be afraid, but you should be astute. And like I said, the command in the Bible connected to the demonic is to be alert, to be courageous, to be wise. Not to be afraid. It's not the command of the Bible to be afraid of anything other than to have the holy fear of the Lord, which leads us into obedience, uh, obedience and godliness. Instead, we're to be alert, to be alert, to, to chew on this, not in fear, but in alertedness. How do people get demonized? 
Well, there's three basic categories of ways. There's, there, there's lots of, of, of sub points in this. And again, we're just going really quickly through this. How do people get demonized? Well, three basic categories, personal disobedience, being passed, uh, number one, personal disobedience, sin, you know, by, by personally submitting to the temptations of, 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 of the evil one, uh, just rebelling against God. Uh, secondly, uh, being passed down from previous generations. There, there's, you can be demonized by, you know, family line and, and generational stuff. Thirdly, from other people, things, or events. And I know that sounds like three things. It is three things. I'm just trying to make this simple. Personal disobedience passed down from previous generations from other people, things, or events. Let me just go through them a little bit more slowly. Uh, firstly, disobedience by personally submitting to the temptations of demons. When we do that, <clears throat> we give a demon what is called a foothold in the Bible. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> feeling. We give a demon what is called a foothold in the Bible, a grip on our lives. We're giving them a right to, to impact, a right to be there and, and mess with us because we've submitted to, to their agenda. In, in, in believers, demons can only be messing with us based on rights or, or because they've, they've never been told to leave before if, if you were a believer. We give demons rights Every time we choose to sin, maybe, maybe looking at pornography or sexual sins of all kinds, refusing to forgive people opens massive doors. Um, allowing bitterness to grow in your life. Bitterness is just this growing massive foothold, uh, this open door for, for the demonic to, to have an impact uh, on your life, to take up residence there because, because you, you're allowing bitterness and you're refusing to forgive. Uh, addictions of all sorts, fears and phobias, not, not living courageously, but, but allowing uh, fear to, to get out of hand, to keep listening to the voice of fear, submitting to the voice of fear, um, not, not acting in courage and faith, uh, taking a life. Taking a life is, is a way to do that. Making an oath or a vow that's wrong or against God's plan for you. Participating in ungodly religious practices. Believing or, or practicing false religions or trying to merge spiritual things into your Christianity. You, you, you take this, this um, spiritual practice but not Christian godly practice and you try and merge it into your Christianity. That makes little bit of unchristian and christian together makes unchristian it makes unchristian basically anytime you agree with a temptation to do what is not holy and not godly you give the enemy a right to grab on because you've obeyed them okay so that's number one um personal disobedience gives the enemy a foothold in your life number two passed down from pre previous generations just like health issues can be passed down from generation to generation same with spiritual stuff people are like wait that doesn't that doesn't sound fair this idea of of, of, of multi-generational spiritual uh, demonic stuff that doesn't seem fair it, like it's just life guys it's just life that's how it works physically that's how it works spiritually as well I was at a Freedom from Freemasonry Day at uh, the Glasgow Prophetic Center uh, previous weekend there. And if, if you have Freemasonry in your line, you need to deal with it. Your ancestors made commitments and oaths and vows connected to all of their descendants committing you to the demons, to the demonic 
committing you and, and and basically granting the demonic massive footholds in your life, granting them permission to be there and mess with you. <clears throat> and, and and what we did this last weekend or as uh, at the GPC is we went through and we renounced those vows that our ancestors made over us. We rejected them in the name of Jesus. We commanded anything demonic which had rights to be there because of those oaths of my, of my great-grandfather in my case to now be broken and gone now in the, in the name of Jesus. Man, if you have any Freemasonry in your background, you, you need to work through the process of, of, of breaking those vows and, and those oaths. You also see this with, um, with sin patterns, with sin patterns passed down generationally. Like, like uh, you can see, oh, this, this family has um, anger, anger cycles, uh, generation after generation, abuse cycles, gener- sexual sin cycles, uh, adultery cycles. It can be anything. Those can be passed down. And so we need to, as we often see in the Bible, repent of the sins of our ancestors. We need to cut off any ungodly soul ties there and then command any demon which had rights to be there because of our ancestors to, to, to be gone now in the name of Jesus, to go now in Jesus' name. Again, if you have any more questions about this, you can, you can write them in the, in the question form. But things can be passed down from previous generations. And thirdly, uh, things can, can, we can have a demonic impact on our life through other people, things, or events. Uh, things, things, things being like having objects connected to anything evil in your home. Hey, I've got this like witch doctor mask I picked up from my trip in Africa. Uh, not awesome. Not awesome. You're bringing that into your home. Hey, I, I got this, this Buddha this Buddha idol, and, and what a cute little tummy there. No, no, no. Like, no, that is an idol. That's an idol, a, a false religion idol. Or, 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 or pictures of, of, of glorifying death or horror or, or evil. Just, just glorifying images that you're going to put in front of your, your mind and bring into your home and, and have in your home that, that glorify the things of the enemy, like death and, and, and evil and, 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 and wicked things. Uh, you know, uh, objects such as maybe your um, maybe your grandfather's Masonic ring or, or or memorabilia from your from your 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 grandfather's um, Masonic days or anything like that. Make sure that your home and your life doesn't have any demonically connected stuff. No idols. No no false gods. No Hindu gods. No no imagery like that. Um, yeah, I, fairy doors. Fairy doors. Man, if you don't know, a Scottish fairy is very clearly a demon. Don't think some sort of super cute Tinkerbell thing. We're talking, read up. Scottish fairies are evil. They're clearly demons. And yet I see people um, put these fairy doors in their home. And, and you know what they do? They put these fairy doors in there signifying, okay, here is an, a way for a demon to come into my home, a, a fairy, a, a Scottish fairy, a demon to come into my home. And then, oh my word, they, they read an invitation. They verbally invite a demon into their home. They invite a, a Scottish fairy into their home. Do not do that. Do not do that. 
If you have one of those in your home, you gotta repent, you gotta break that, you gotta get that out of your home. Every person that I've ever seen have a fairy door in their home, um, they have had, they have been harassed in their life, they have experienced this, and then when that has been broken, they have seen breakthrough in their lives. If you have a, a Scottish fairy door, man, go out and repent. Break off, cancel that invitation in, in the name of Jesus. Say, say no in Jesus' name. Cancel that out and command the demons to leave your home in Jesus' name forever and not to come back. Don't do that. I got a little bit worked up there, but that is a huge deal. We just think people are just so naive and not alert as the Bible commands us to be. What do you think you're doing? Ugh. Don't have don't have like the, stuff like that in your home. I guess an example of an event. I mean, who knows? Um, homes are old. You have no idea what's happened in your home before you've moved in there, or your dorm room, or you have no idea. And so, once you sign the papers, once you uh, once you grant that or given that authority, or or even if it's for renting or or whatever, you go and you can walk through your home. You repent over whatever ungodly things have happened in that space. You can rededicate that space to God, commanding any lingering evil spirits who have the rights to be there based on what had previously taken place there, unrepented over, you can command them to go in Jesus' name. Uh, you got to break those rights. You, hey, I'm the new owner. I'm the new renter. I, my name's on the paper here. And I take authority and I send, uh, uh, in the name of Jesus, repent whatever's happened, break off their rights and and send them out in Jesus. When, when I moved into my, my flat here, um, I walked through it day after day after day, praying and breaking and renouncing until I just felt like, no, there was a, a, a cleanness here and and and, and things were, were good and, and right. Um, you might walk into areas, I mean, some people are more sensitive to this than area, areas of town, and, and you and you can just tell, oh, there's there's un, there's some ungodly stuff here. Maybe it's uh, sexual stuff, sexual temptations, or or um, addictions uh, kinds of things, or or um, anger and and uh, violence sort of stuff. You can just tell, and 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 those demons would be lingering in that area because of rights based on what had happened before. Maybe a lot of death had taken place in that place, or or a, a battles had taken place, and 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 that stuff had not been spiritually cleared up. And you you can ask the questions, you know, should you or or what? At what levels should you deal with uh, territorial area-wide demonic stuff? I definitely think um, ask that question before you're just jumping into that. Um, but anyways, uh, demons can be located and, and harass you based on what had happened in that same area in that same flat. Uh, so that's an event uh, uh, stuff. Uh, what about other people? And now this could be anything from curses to to witchcraft against you to trauma, abuse, lies, evil things that people have done to you. Now, now at our church, we have lots of witchcraft curses that come against our church. I was at the side area of our church the other week and, and, and found very clearly this witchcraft thing connected to a curse. And so I took authority as a pastor and, and an elder and I, and I canceled that curse in Jesus' name and got rid of the stuff. A few weeks ago, uh, Kelly had a dream. My wife had a dream about a curse coming against a church. And so we went down here and sure enough, it's some, some stuff is scrolled on the side of the church building. So we got rid of that. Uh, seen people will tell us um, about dreams that they've had uh, of, 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 of some curses or witchcraft stuff against a church. We take it all seriously. There's a lot of witchcraft in our area. There's a lot of witchcrafting in Glasgow. There's a lot of witchcraft in Scotland. It is so naive of Christians, so not being alert of Christians 
to think that curses can't impact us because we're Christians. I mean, we'd love to believe. We'd love to believe that we can't be impacted because, because we're in Christ. But it's just not true. It's not true. We, we don't have to be afraid of that. But we have to be alert. And we have to take the authority that we have and use it. We don't use it. Things don't happen. We, we, we've got to step up and, and break the curses sent against us in the name of Jesus, against our homes, against our lives, against our families. Against, against our, we, we break those curses in the name of Jesus. Not difficult to do, but they have to be challenged. They have to be repented of. They have to be broken in Jesus' name. Then, yeah. That curse is a, a call. It's like a prayer to the demons to work against you. And, and if it goes unchallenged, they'll try. They'll try. You got to break those curses off in the name of Jesus. So people can, can curse you. Maybe they don't even know what they're doing. You know, I, I think about some of the neighbors of, of our church, and, and I, I don't know how spiritually tapped in they are, but, but some of them, uh, well, at least there's a couple that just angry anger, and, and I bet I would be surprised if they weren't um, verbally like cursing the church. And I'm, I'm constantly want to break those curses off in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've got a, a neighbor who's, who's contentious with you and you're like, yeah, it's, it's their issue. They, they could still be cursing you or a coworker or a colleague who, who is cursing you because of your success or, or because, because of whatever. You want to break those curses off in the name of Jesus. So, so through other people, curses, but also like abuse, abuse or, or, or evil that's happened to you. Uh, it's, not, it's not your fault, but, but they've caused a wound there in your life. And, and demons like to grab onto wounds. And, and if, if you've got wounds there, or if you've been sinned against, then you need to forgive them. And you need to command any demon trying to impact you from that event or those that string of events to leave you forever in the name of Jesus. And ask the Holy Spirit to come and heal that wound, heal that sore. Now, I know that, I know I'm just rushing through this stuff and there's, there's so much to say. Again, write down all those questions you might have. Bit.do slash capital W, capital T, capital D, capital W, capital D. (laughs) What's the deal with demons? Bit.do. Write those questions down and we can follow those up at the end of November. But anyways, those are um, some ways that you can be, some categories, ways that you can become demonized, impacted, and harassed by demons, uh, where, where the demons have to have to be uh, dealt with or, or their rights broken off and, and, and gotten rid of. Okay, so the last two questions that I want to address uh, by way of introduction today is how can you be freed if you're demonized or if you think it's possible that you are? And how can you walk in freedom after you've been set free? How can you be freed, number one? How can you be freed if you're, you're demonized or, or think it's possible? Firstly, you must absolutely submit your life to the lordship, the kingship, the mastership, the rulership of Jesus only. I am daily reaffirming to Jesus that he is my king and my commitment is to do whatever he wants done, whatever he wants done today, that my life is 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 under his his rulership. There's, there's no use in being freed if you're not committed to following Jesus. You'll just go back to following the demonic plans for you. You've got to absolutely submit that your life is, is, 
it belongs to Jesus. Again, remember the story of the, the seven sons of Sceva, uh, that Jewish high priest in Acts chapter 19. Those guys were not submitted to the lordship of Jesus. And so they tried to cast out a demon in Jesus' name and they got wrecked. Because you don't get to tap in to the authority of Jesus if Jesus isn't the authority in your life. If you weren't under Jesus' authority, then you don't get to, to do things under his authority. And so you don't have the authority to deal with demons if you're not submitted to the authority of Jesus. So you got to make sure you're absolutely submitted to, to Jesus. Secondly, repent, forgive, and renounce. Repent, forgive, and renounce. Repent over the sin. Forgive anyone who's ever sinned against you. Repent over the things that you've done or, or, or things your ancestors have done. Repent, 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 forgive, 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 renounce. Renounce and break off any curse that someone's spoken over you or, or any oath of your ancestors or any oath that you've ever made or any, anything that you've ever spoken over yourself that, that lie or evil. Renounce, cancel them in the name of Jesus. It helps to know what they are. You know, but it's it's never bad to just to renounce too much. To just renounce if if there's if there's nothing there to renounce. Let's say you renounce something that that hasn't been like oh I renounce that, that a curse against me by this coworker in the name of Jesus. If there's nothing there, no harm done. No harm done. You're you're not going to be harmed by by over renouncing, only under renouncing, under under renouncing. So you renounce, you declare out loud that the rights of the demonic, uh, the rights to be there are now broken in, in Jesus' name. And number three, you, you command in the name of, in the authority of Jesus Christ. You command in the name of the authority of Jesus Christ who purchased you and set you free by his own blood. You command in the name and the authority of Jesus for the demon to leave now in the name of Jesus, to, to leave quietly, to come up and out in the name of Jesus. You bind that demon in the name of Jesus. You command them to come up and out in the name of Jesus. Um, and, and, and why up and out? Because demons are going to come out uh, often on uh, the breath. They don't have to come up and out, but they're going to come out somehow. And you, it's, it's more preferable up and out than the other way and out. Probably if, if there's a, a demon there when you're commanding them to leave in the name of Jesus, once you've canceled their rights by, by renouncing and, and, and breaking off, can't, chances are you'll, you'll feel something. Now, maybe because, again, they come out on the breath, uh, you'll, you'll find yourself coughing when you, when you didn't have a cough before that or, or afterwards, or sneezing or, or, or burping or, or something as it leaves. And it's going to be part of that prayer time, but before and after, it's not going to be part of your, your, your experience. Maybe as you're renouncing and you're, you're commanding demons to leave in the name of Jesus, to leave you alone in Jesus' name, maybe you'll feel resistance, like maybe your ears will plug or, 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 or choking or you'll feel choking, which I've experienced before, or, or pain somewhere. I've, I've experienced the earplugs thing before, uh, or pain somewhere. I experienced that once in my back. Uh, pain somewhere, something. If it happens, if that happens and there's that resistance, that pain, you just say, you know, I, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Stop it in the name of Jesus. I command you in the authority in the name of Jesus to, to stop, to come up and out in the name of Jesus, to go. I belong to Jesus. I'm I, I, in the authority of Jesus. I, I command you to go. Now, I do this all the time. I do this all the time. Why? Because sometimes um, I sin or I'm sinned against. It, it's actually very, it, it's not difficult for the enemy to try and grab on. So I'm constantly trying to, to do self-deliverance. I, 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 I can only imagine how many people have tried to curse me or have cursed me over the years. 
uh, I, I know, you know, with the Masonic stuff, that was part of it. Um, and, and, you know, as a, I can only imagine. Constantly, constantly, constantly. I want to be a clean vessel. And, and I don't want to be harassed. I want to be alert. And, and so I want to command those demons to be gone in the name of Jesus. Now, if that doesn't work, and you, you've, you've tried that, and you, you still think that there's something there, or something might still be there, then uh, get help, number four. Then get help. And, and this, is, this is very biblical, very biblical. Sign up for some deliverance ministry, maybe at our church or, or a church that you're connected to that does that or a church that's more dialed into the supernatural in your area if you're living a long ways away. Um, Glasgow Prophetic Center. Uh, one of my favorites is LL Ministries. LL Ministries is, uh, is about healing through deliverance ministries. They have these free retreats that you can go on. You just go into llministries.com. There's, there's several, they're, they're all throughout the world. Uh, they specialize in this and they have these free retreats where you, you give a donation, but um, but you go for a couple of days and they pray over you and then they, uh, they speak truth and they pray over you and they speak truth and they pray over you. And uh, I've seen just great work in deliverance happen. You get, get help, get help. So, okay, so if that, yeah, get help. Uh, okay, so again, once, that's, that would be a process you work through. Uh, and once you're freed, once you're freed from, you know, maybe it's a, a sexual sin or sexual t- temptations or, or, um, or anger or, or abuse or, or, you know, fear or depression or whatever, um, once you're free, uh, what, what do you need to do? Okay, well, keep submitting your life to Jesus. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to fill you and lead you. Keep living in obedience to God and everything. Don't give the enemy any opportunity to grab back onto your life again, to, to get back in there. Reject the lies that you're tempted to believe about you. Watch, for, watch out for counterattacks of the enemy. Temptation. Strong temptations are, are sometimes the enemy's best attempt to trying to reestablish a grip on your life. Sometimes strong temptations temptations are evidence that the enemy has already has a grip on your life but sometimes it's just trying to reattach especially after a moment of deliverance you're going to want to feel tempted to let's okay i don't know let's say it's let's say it's um it's anger uh, you're going to feel a flash of anger probably in the next couple of days like like wanting to be angry at someone and you just say no in the name of jesus you resist that temptation and you resist uh that and and let that flee in jesus's name you just command it to go in jesus name you will not submit to that anger and that response. You will not submit to that sexual temptation or response. Again, once you're freed, keep away from areas where it's easier to be tempted. Uh, walk in forgiveness. Those areas that it's easier to, to be tempted, you know, there, there, there can be lingering spiritual stuff connected to things that you're weak about. Walk in, in forgiveness. Be gracious towards other people. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill your, uh, to, to fill you, to, to heal the broken areas of your life. And then have a joyful heart that's full of praise and thankfulness to God. Okay. Not everything is demonic. Uh, okay. I'm just going to say that and say that and say that. Not everything is demonic but my guess is you're experiencing maybe far more impact from the demonic than you realize and that you're living with fears feelings desires physical issues that are simply because you're being harassed by a a demon or two or or ten i grew up with a belief that because i was a christian demons couldn't touch me and, and because I have the Holy Spirit, I can't have any other kind of spirit in me because there's only room for one, Holy Spirit or ungodly spirits. It's just not true. It's just not true. It's not biblical. 
Don't be unwise, but wise. Don't, don't be naive, but be alert. Be biblical. Where, where, do you go, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here after listening to this? Well, my suggestion is, you know, clean house. Clean house. Get anything out of your house or room or flat that could be any, in any way connected to the demonic. Things, objects, pictures, you know, movies, anything connected to, to um, that. Fairy doors. Renounce renounce uh, the rights of anything that you'd let in the name of Jesus break off. Don't just get rid of, of that, you know, that, that witch doctor mask. Um, just uh, command, repent over having it in your home. Uh, you break off the rights, any rights that it might have had because you brought it in there. Uh, reject it in the name of Jesus and command anything that had come into your home attached to that or connected to that to be gone in the name of Jesus. Yeah, so pray over your place, maybe your place of work, maybe your home, anywhere that God has given you place, maybe your desk or your your your, your office. Uh, pray over that in the name of Jesus, a classroom that you're a teacher in. Pray over it in the name of Jesus, canceling off any any uh, any demonic rights to be there and sending them in the, out in the name of Jesus. Work through your family past. Breaking ungodly soul ties in the name of Jesus, renouncing any agreements that your family line have made on your behalf or, or sin cycles throughout the generations that are trying to be passed down to you. Break off any curses like that in the name of Jesus. And, and then and work through forgiveness. If you, like that is just such a massive way the enemy can keep hold of our lives by, by not forgiving people who have sinned against us. Maybe practice self-deliverance as I, as I laid out earlier and, and then keep asking God to open your eyes to see what's going on here. If you feel stuck and if you feel like there's some grips in your life, um, you know, take some steps. Try and, try and set up a time to, to get people to help you. Hopefully we'll have recorded in the next month uh, part two and you can consider being trained uh, in the new year at Rehope um, on, on how to set people free from, from the from from the demonic uh, to, to grow in, in alertness to that and experience in that. Um, there's other training places like LL Ministries, if they have one near you, or Glasgow Prophetic are so great at, at training people in this. Uh, I have high respect for them in, in the training of people in this way. Uh, let me just end with this. You know, it, it can be disturbing if you are in an environment that... Uh, that sees someone manifesting demonically, and, and if you're not used to that. Like, like say, for me, like the angry guy behind me on Saturday. But just remember, one uncomfortable moment for everybody led to total freedom for that guy because someone knew what they were doing. And, and so our, our job isn't to, to flee these uncomfortable situations, but be, to be alert and to become competent so that we can do what disciples of Jesus are to do and drive out demons in the name of Jesus. And, and I want to encourage you to think bigger, to think bigger about uh, uncomfortable moments that we'd like to get away from. Instead, praise God that he has given us authority to, to do this work. There is no spiritual gift called driving out demons in the name of Jesus. There's no spiritual gift about that. That's, that's for all believers. Now, I understand that there's certain gifts that are helpful, that, that are more helpful for that, like discerning of spirits or, or well, lots of different spiritual gifts can help uh, you be more proficient in, in the in the casting out of demons in the name of Jesus, but but that's just a commission for everyone 
to use whatever uh, gifts and, and, and place that you're at and whatever spiritual uh, tools that God's given you. And, you know, whether it's lots or little and, and be about casting out demons in the name of Jesus. If you want to read a book uh, to, to grow in this, I've got two resources that I would highly recommend. The first one, I it's where I started, and I just think it's amazing. It's called Healing Through Deliverance by Peter Horbin. Healing Through Deliverance by Peter Horbin. When I first got it, it was a two-volume two work. They've now put it into one volume. He goes through every passage and story in the Bible and then talks about how to, to set people free. It is, it is an amazing, amazing resource uh, to, to looking at the Bible and then learning about how to do healing through deliverance in, in our day and our generation. I highly recommend it. If, if this is your interest topic, go for that book. Another book that all the others in our church read, and it's it's not exactly um, as as niche as the Healing Through Deliverance book, but it's about authority. And the book is called I Give You Authority by, by Chuck Kraft. And it's talking about using the authority, understanding the authority that God's given you to make a massive difference. There's a lot of overlap in, in what we've been talking about today. I guess I want to leave you with a, a question that, that I would encourage you to write down and to ask for part two. But, but my, my statement uh, for today it's, is, church, don't have anything to do with Halloween. Don't have anything to do with Halloween. Don't be naive. The most evil satanic, ungodly, witchcrafty, sacrifices, abuse, horrific child abuse, things are happening on Halloween, have nothing to do with that in participation. Maybe you want to be alert and become wise to what's going on and maybe become a wise and educated what's going on in your area so you know how to strategically pray as Halloween approaches. You want to know more about, about why not to participate in, in Halloween or participate in any way, even, even in, in just like gentle ways? Um, you can ask the question and, and somebody can deal with that in, in part two in a month from now. Anyways, thank you for listening. I, I hope you found this helpful. Just an introduction, but um, yeah, let's together raise our competency in this, this level and return to being a church that is about what Jesus uh, commissioned his, all his disciples to be about. To, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, to heal the sick and to drive out demons in his name. Thank you for listening.